It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where your main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy Jay. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by Uncle Dave, NFL sports betting expert. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Dave underscore Essler. And I got Steve Reeder, Avoid the Vig. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Avoid the Vig. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL week number five. Uncle Dave, Steve, and myself, we're going to go ahead. We're going to cover six games. We're going to start out with the early game, and that's the game that's going to go ahead and take place in London between the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. Guys, let's go ahead and just jump right into this week's card. Current line on this game, Falcons minus three. We have a total of 46. Uncle Dave, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you. I have a feeling that you have an opinion on this game, Jets-Falcons. What are you thinking? Yeah, I do, Sleepy. I mean, the Jets are getting better. They, you know, they played three and a half very good defense, and against that half good defense last week, they scored twenty four points, which was seven more than their first three games combined. So, you know, I'm going to attribute some of that to getting Crowder back, and their O line is improving. You know, they allowed fifteen sacks in the first three games. Wilson was only sacked once against the Titans, uh, and only three teams have less sacks this season than the Falcons. So, you know, in fact, the Falcons' defense is allowing a seventy percent pass completion rate. And they allowed 112 points combined to three teams not named the Giants. So, you know, maybe Dean P should have stayed retired, I guess. Uh, that's my takeaway there. The Atlanta defense is 26th in yards per play. Jets defense is 7th. And coached by Jeff Albridge, who was with the Falcons for six years, and I, I don't think you can overstate that. And situationally, I think a London trip for a 1-3 and three team that just lost at home to Washington, I think that has to suck. And I think a London trip off an OT win where the Jets ran 33 less plays and had 14 less first downs, I think that has to be awesome. I don't think Atlanta should be favored over many teams. Uh, I think this is my WTF game, wrong team favored. Um, you know, Arthur Smith had success in Tennessee, but he had Derrick Henry. I think the Jets have the better coach, the better defense, and I bet the JETS Jets. All right, Uncle Dave stepping out on the island there with the Jets. Steve, how about you? Are you going to be as brave as Uncle Dave there? and back the Jets or the Falcons. I would love to disagree with Dave. Honestly, it would make for a better podcast and certainly more fun on my part, but um, we'll get to that in a second. But there's a lot of similarities between the clubs. Uh, they're both one and three. They're both one and, th- uh, and three against the spread. They both have a negative YPP differential. They both have a negative turnover differential, and they're both just bad teams. Zach Wilson has been bad, but he got the win this past week, uh, which has to be a confidence booster to Salah and Wilson and company. Um and you saw like the momentum kind of switch with Crowder back. There was a little bit of energy to that offense. Uh, it seemed to be clicking a little bit better. Maybe it unlocks it moving forward. Uh, Atlanta has been running on empty with Matt Ryan. Uh, they're 25th in points per game, which is mind-boggling to me because I've always thought of Atlanta as this big like offensive powerhouse. And even when Julio Jones left, I thought it wasn't going to be skipping a beat, You know, especially with Ridley stepping to that one A role and then, then Pitts being brought on. But Ridley hasn't been in for his pro ball self. Pitts has been inconsistent and underwhelming at times. The O has no identity, and the D never had one. But as bad as both teams are, perhaps it's a better spot for Atlanta. You know, the Jets are coming off that win. They have New York on deck. Um, they're going uh, across seas, which is unusual. I don't know if the Jets are going to be ready for this. I, I just simply can't trust either team going into this particular game. You know, if I look at the skill position, guys, I will fall on Atlanta. But if I look at the team that might be a little bit more motivated, it actually might be the Jets because Uncle Dave, you made some good points there. Um, the fact they got to win, you know, that they get to get out of New York, um, maybe they get to show out. And, and maybe that young team 
does one of those things, Uncle Dave, that you always talk about. You know, they're just sometimes they're too young, they're too dumb to go ahead and uh, and just rest on, you know, getting a win. You know, that they're just go out there and just play football. Uh, that's something that a lot of young teams do, and they just, you know, they don't look ahead, they don't let down. Uh, so maybe the Jets will get it done. I don't know. Uh, one thing that I probably will be looking at in this one more than likely will probably just be turnover props. Uh, between Ryan and Wilson, uh, they have 11 interceptions combined uh, over the, you know, just the, the, the eight games that they've played. So I'll be looking in that area. I'll be looking in the sack prop area. More than likely, that's probably where I'll end up being uh, for that particular game. The next game I'm excited for because my Green Bay Packers are going to be playing. They're going to be on the road here in Cincinnati. Cincinnati plus three. We have a total of 51 and a half. This total opened up uh, right around 48 and a half, 49. It has shot up, shot through the key number of 50, now up to 51 and a half. So uh, the betters expect points in this one. Steve, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you. Packers, Bengals, what are you looking at? Both teams are paper warriors right now. They're both three and one. They look great. Um, but the Bengals haven't played an above average team this year. And Green Bay hasn't played a top 12 team this year. Now, you can only play who is on your schedule, but they haven't really had a a test against somebody that's really um, established themselves as a team in the NFL. So what are they really? Green Bay has fallen short of expectations by 5.9 points against the spread per game, almost six points per game. And since he's actually overachieved by four points per game. So who is the better team? You know, clearly, by my power ratings, it's it's probably too much. I actually say Green Bay is favored by seven in this on a neutral. Um, but, you know, Cincinnati's better in YPP, opponent YPP, and obviously YPP differential. Burrow is sixth in pro football focus QB ranking. Aaron Rodgers is 26th. You know, when you think of the Green Bay Packers and what makes them great, you think of Aaron Rodgers. Do I think he's the 26th best quarterback in the NFL? Do I think he will be this Sunday? Of course not. But I think it is a little telling that Maybe he hasn't lived up to some of those lofty expectations and certainly the MVP candidacy that he had last year. Um, Neither team has beaten anyone, so it's tough to me really even gauge in that respect. But this could be a trap game for Green Bay. Cincinnati has no name cachet. They have a bad coach, no star players. You know, Joe Burrow, you know, the once number one pick overall, you know, got hurt last year. So his stock was down a little bit despite him playing a little bit better. Um, So... It's tough to really go on a side here. Uh, Cincinnati has a a 74.7 grade against the run. And if you don't know what that means on pro football focus, I'm not even sure. But it means they're really good against the run. They held Dalvin Cook to 61 yards, Montgomery 61, Najee Harris to 40, and James Robinson to 78. And those are a lot of numbers. But what you need to know is each one of those were under their season average, with the exception of James Robinson. He actually went over his average, but he was at 3.9 yards per carry, which is insane. So he just had a lot of volume. So one of the things I was looking at was Aaron Jones is under. So I wrote it down here. I was going to talk about it on the podcast, put it out to our group. And it turns out everyone and their mother likes Aaron Jones is under this week. There was like three different prop guys on uh, on Twitter that put it out. So I'm sure the value is gone in that. Um, but where I'm shifting, I actually have a bet in this game. Cincinnati is fifth in red zone efficiency and Green Bay's defense is tied for last in red zone efficiency. They've given up a touchdown on every red zone possession, which is insane. Uh, T Higgins is coming back. He's practicing right now. He should play in the game. Uh, Joe Mixon's injury. I'm not exactly sure where he stands as far as this Sunday's game, but ultimately, you know, even if they pass the ball more, that's a more efficient offense. And Joe Mixon is great. I'm not taking anything away from him, but if we're looking for points, Passing the ball is a little bit better in that sense. My best bet uh, for this podcast is Cincinnati over the team total, 23 and a half. You can find it at point, uh, bet 365 and points bet. 
All right, solid stuff there from Steve. I wouldn't disagree with you with looking at Cincinnati in this game. It's tough for me to do that because I'm a Packers fan. But I feel like the line is probably right at plus three. Maybe the total's the way to go. I got to go back to last week where, uh, as you had mentioned, Mixon a little bit banged up. But one of the things that I was talking about going into last week's game against Jacksonville was that in order for Cincinnati to go ahead and continue to win, they had to have Burrow eventually start throwing the ball. And he did in that game. He ended up with like 30, I don't know, maybe it was like 33 attempts. He had over 300 yards passing. And I'm like, that's what they needed. They needed to get that type of game out of him. Now, Green Bay, they're going to be a little bit limited in their secondary. Uh, probably Jair Alexander, their best player, is not going to be on uh, on the football field this week. So Green Bay does have some holes. And when you're going up against Rodgers, uh, you know that that guy's going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. So it'll be a slight lean to the over. Obviously, I'm shopping for 51. If it's 51 and a half, more than likely I won't play it. But uh, 51 is probably the number that I would buy at. Maybe it comes back down. I don't know. Uh, I will look at some player props in that one more than likely. It probably going to end up being, you know, targeting the wide receivers. I don't feel really strong about that game in particular. I do feel that the side's right. And maybe there is a little bit of value in the over uh, with what Steve said. I, I do think we see a lot of passing in that one. How about you, Uncle Dave? Packers, Bengals, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have given out that over at 48, but, you know, I guess I can if I wanted to buy three points, but that isn't going to happen anymore. You know, I look at this and, you know, you have to look at that line and, you know, if you're you're just a casual fan, you know, are they begging us to take the Packers? I, I know the Bengals are 3-1 and one and haven't really played a murderer's row schedule, but they're 3-1 and one and they do have some extra rest and they haven't lost a game by more than three points yet. Now, I think that People are looking at that Thursday game that was closer than expected with Jacksonville. I think that might have been predictable because Cincinnati had just beaten Pittsburgh the previous week, and that was a huge win for them, and, and basically Jacksonville never has anything to lose. So, you know, I looked at that box score, and they did let Jacksonville average 6.2 yards per play. So that would be the case for the over. But, you know, I digress to these teams, and I look at the cumulative stats for, for these teams. They're not that dissimilar, really. Uh, and, you know, was the Packers' ability to run against Pittsburgh the outlier? Yes, I think it was because it was the first time. And Steve mentioned the Bengals' defense, uh, run defense. And honestly, as I said, the Bengals' schedule hasn't really been that good. But the Packers haven't played anyone with a winning record, and their opponents are combined 5-11. and 11. So at 3, I can be convinced to take the Bengals. At, uh, in a teaser, I definitely will probably do that. All right, so all stuff on that. Can let's show over to the Broncos and the Steelers. Steelers, I think it'll be a home favorite here, minus one, total of 40. I don't know which way to go with this one yet. I guess I could go on both sides of the fence here. The total's low. Um, I do see some 39 and a halfs out there as well. I'm going to let you guys go ahead and talk first, see if you can convince me into anything, because I guess I could be persuaded uh, for one side or the other. So whoever makes the stronger case, maybe I'll go ahead and make a case. Uh, along there with you but what do you think in there Steve with the Broncos and Steelers going into this week first time I heard about the game I, I would go you got to take the under and I looked at it and it came out of 41 and a half and I'm like holy crap that's a a really low under uh but it's a limbo game how low can you go the total is now in the 30s I mean for the modern NFL without a weather concern to be in the 30s is really telling uh but the numbers back it up I mean Denver is missed the total by by 10 points uh, Pittsburgh's fallen short of the, of the total by five points per game. They're 0-8 uh, versus the total uh, to the under so far this season between the two of them. Um, 
it, it, there's not a whole lot of reason to think the over. I mean, except for the fact that the number is getting one of the lowest totals we're going to see unless there's a weather implication here. Um, but what I'm going to do for the game really depends on Bridgewater's health. Uh, certainly, Bridgewater is more of a quarterback that is a game manager. He's been playing very, very well. Um, but I, I like the under more if he plays. Drew Locke has a propensity to take those chances, throw the ball down the field, um, which obviously is big place for the offense, but also creates turnovers for the other team, which could lead to higher scoring. So depending on the, I don't think you can make a move on the total right now with the, where it is today. If you don't know who the quarterback is for the Denver Broncos, um, Denver themselves are kind of playing with house money. They've exceeded expectation, uh, certainly with the, uh, against the spread margin by 3.4 points per game. Um, they needed an average quarterback this year. They have the defense ready to roll. They just need somebody to step in and hold down the fort, not turn the ball over and make the play that was there for him. And that's what Bridgewater has done. He's literally an average quarterback. He's the 14th in uh, uh, PFF. Uh, but Denver's depleted uh, on the on both sides of the ball. They had eight injured starters last week, um, which is why they're catching points. I think if they're healthy right now, they're the favorites. Uh, Denver's D is great, but they're actually better against the run than the past, which is interesting because... Pittsburgh has no interest in running the ball. They're the, they have the lowest yards in the NFL on the ground, second lowest in yards per carry, um, and they have 12 less carries than the next closest team, which is it seems incredible. Um, but this is a must-win game for Pittsburgh. The rest of the division is 3-1, and one, and maybe it's a pie-in-the-sky kind of a, a thought, but if they lose this game, they go to 1-4, and four, and even two of those teams go to 4-1. To and one. It's over. The season's over. The career with Big Ben as the quarterback is over. He can't push down uh, the ball down the field. He's ranked 34th right now among quarterbacks. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's 34th. The person he's ahead of at 35 is Davis Mills. So, you know, it's tough to back uh, Big Ben here, but it is a must-win spot for Pittsburgh. Their stock has been so low. I'm not sure if they can get much lower than it is. But I can't make a bet on this game unless I have injury clarification to the quarterback for Denver and really the rest of their players. With eight people out, um, I really want to know who's playing and how healthy they are. All right, great stuff there, Steve. How about you there, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about that one? Well, I, you know, it could be a boring game. That's all I got to tell you. But, you know, I, I, I thought Ben would play better at Green Bay than he did. You know, he did make good decisions, but his passes were just way off and, and way off being high. And, that usually means interception. And I figured Denver was the paper tiger of Baltimore. So I, I got to figure out uh, which team is the least bad here, really. You know, as Steve said, who's a quarterback? You know, I haven't looked lately, but Claypool didn't play last week. So, you know, we got to go with what we got to go with here. So, you know, we'll just we'll just go with it. I mean, I was surprised at how well Green Bay ran the ball on the Steelers. I was surprised at the separation the Packers wide receivers were able to get. You know, with that said, I can't trust the Steeler defense, regardless of who's under center for Denver. And you know, the early batters started fading Denver, probably, probably in part because of the quarterback situation, and in part as they were expo- exposed last week. But the Steelers are one and three. They've scored forty-four points in their last three games, and you know, as Steve said, that total's already come crashing down. Uh, and I do think it's still good, but I mean, I can't give that out. That would be that would be insane. But honestly, after watching the Steelers at Green Bay, I know the Raiders. Uh, Beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Uh, I know the Denver defense is solid. You know, I like that now that, that Denver was a favorite uh, and when this line came out at some shops and, and now they're not. You know, I like the Broncos teased to more than a touchdown, and especially in a game that's going to be a bit boring as far as lighting up the scoreboard might be. So, 
You know, it, it really comes down to I can't trust Pittsburgh. So I would, I would tease Denver to seven, seven and a half, and I, I would think that would be good. All right, so you guys are kind of on both sides of, uh, of the coin here. I'll take Pittsburgh. The reason being is that, as Steve said, they have to win this game. If they don't, the season's pretty much over. But I also look at the line, and then I look at the records. All right, well, you know, Denver's three and one. Pittsburgh's one and three. You know, who has Pittsburgh played? Uh, they played teams that are all three and one. The Bills, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Packers. Not an easy schedule. So the fact that they're one and three, uh, I would say it's not completely out of the question right now that that's, you know, a, a, a record that we couldn't, you know, maybe foresee coming. And they have an extremely tough schedule, you know, with the Broncos, Seahawks, and at Browns coming up. So Pittsburgh has to win a game here. They at least got to get this one to get to the next one. And I understand that there are concerns about that offense. This is going to be a week in Pittsburgh where, you know, they sit down and they look at Claypool and they look at Schuster and they look at Big Ben and they say, you know what, man, this is the NFL. You guys are getting paid millions of dollars. You know, pull your damn boots up. Uh, get ready to go out there and rumble. Uh, if you're hurt, whatever. If, if you're hurt enough that you can't play, then you won't play. But if you can go, then you're going and we need you to go. So I have a feeling this is kind of like a circle of wagons kind of game here for Pittsburgh where everything's on the line. They win this week. Uh, Big Ben isn't you know going to be, oh, he needs to retire. Um, that, that's been a lot of the talk. Tomlin's probably had heard enough already about, you know, what's going on with your team, you know, what's going on with your quarterback, this, that, and the other. Um, they could beat this Denver team. And a lot of that might have to do with, you know, the health of Teddy Bridgewater. Now, look, I know that Broncos defense is good. I actually have them rated number one defense in the league, and they'll probably go on the road and play really well. And that's why this total is low. But I trust Pittsburgh to probably get it done here, use that rushing attack with Najee Harris. Um, they have the better skill position players right now as a whole, um, in my opinion, and I think that defense for Pittsburgh, you know, was due to show up and probably uh, go ahead and show out. I'm not necessarily sure how strong Bridgewater is uh, on the road and in, in a place where uh, they're going up against a team with their backs up against the wall. So I'll probably just play Pittsburgh on the money line or I'll lay the minus one point. Uh, I would lean that side a little bit stronger, just the fact that they were at home and it was a, a kind of a must win game for them. And must win games aren't exactly not exactly the greatest games to bet on, but I do believe when you have four teams that are three and one that you saw this year, that there could be a reason why you're in a must win situation. Uh, if, if you have a lot of losses coming against mediocre to bad teams, then it just, it's, you know, more of a red flag, but I'm not super worried about Pittsburgh right now, you know, with the record that they have the teams that they've played, I'm more worried about their health, but Again, if the guys are practicing, like Claypool practice, Schuster practice, Big Ben practice, um, it's basically you guys are, are well enough to be on the football field. Uh, man up, get the hell out there, and go do your job. And I think that's going to be the message that Tomlin is, is sending to his team um, this week. So I think we probably see a spirited effort uh, on both sides of the ball for Pittsburgh. Let's go over to Saints and Washington. Washington, they're going to be plus one and a half, plus two here um, at home. We have a total of 44 and a half. Uh, I'm not going to think too much into this. I'm going to take Washington at home. I feel like they are the better team, uh, no matter who the hell the quarterback is. Jameis Winston went out last week, and I had his passing yards over. Uh, I think it was like 201. I gave that out, gave it out or again at like 196. But 
yeah, I don't like the Saints offense at all. Um, everything has to go through Kamara. And when they get down in the red zone, uh, they're putting the ball in Taysom Hill's hands. And there's no real consistency, you know, to that Saints offense. They're running extremely slow. And you have to worry. It's like, well, this is great. Um, you know, I, I give Uncle Dave all the picks that I can, and he goes and he plugs them in, and they're all winners. But I, I don't get to – I don't get to get any time to go ahead and pound my chest. And that's kind of the way I feel about, and I'm just making that up, but it's, it's a comparison that to, you know, Winston to Taysom Hill. It's like, well, I just drove us from the 20 down to the 20, and now you put the other guy in, and he gets to throw the touchdowns and run it in for a touchdown. So I just wonder how long Winston's going to be able to go ahead and uh, and operate in this type of, of mode. Like, he's going to end up gunning the ball downfield probably. Uh, for a touchdown sooner or later to get his shine on. And we know what happens when Jameis throws the ball uh, a little bit too much. He turns it over. So for me, it's Washington. I think if Gibson's healthy, McLaurin's healthy, I know Logan Thomas is down, but still Washington, they're, I have a feeling they're going to turn the corner and uh, you know start playing a little bit better. And I think they get a win here against the Saints. That's where I'm going. I'll take Washington plus the points here. How about you, Uncle Dave? Saints, Washington, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, like the vast majority of the tickets are all on the Saints, and they've pushed that to two or, or two and a half in places, as as are the vast majority of tickets are on the over, and I, I tend to want to go against both of those, you know, for many of the same reasons that you mentioned. You know, Washington, I mean, they beat Atlanta in the fourth quarter on the road. I mean, that's always a confidence builder. Haneke looked good. McLaurin had 123 yards. You know, my caveat there was – Washington's defense gave up 10 to 16 third down conversions, and they let a team in Atlanta that can't run rush for almost 100 yards. So I'm not, I'm not like making this a game of the year, um, but I do love them. And the Saints, I mean, they have to be crushed giving up 400 yards passing to Jones and losing at home in OT. And that was the first home game in the Superdome. If you remember their their first one, you know, and, and I worry about the schedule. Their first one, they had to play a home game in Jacksonville. Then they go to Carolina and get killed. They beat New England a nice win. Then they come home and lose an OT. So, you know, I'm not sure where where they're at, really. I think we have two teams heading in opposite directions. I think this is truly desperation for the Saints. They they do have a bye next week, but then they're at Seattle, uh, and then they have the Bucks the following week. So if they lose this game, uh, they could see two and five uh, a lot quicker than they could see five and two. Uh, and uh, it's also a pivotal game for Washington because they got the Chiefs coming in next week, and they're at Green Bay after that, and, you know, all this does lead me to Washington, and I'm not avoiding them, but I'm a little bit leery about that that defense, which you know we kind of thought was elite, and it really hasn't been. Um, on you know they're last in the league in third down conversion percentage allowed, and that's that's kind of a yellow flag. But you know then these coaches they know each other from Rivera's days in Carolina, uh, which makes me take a hard look at that under. And uh, I will tease Washington now and get Washington at eight or eight and a half, and you know I think that's about a gift, sleepy. I'm glad you brought up the schedule for Washington there, Uncle Dave, because that was something that I wanted to touch on. Let me just rip off the games that they have to play. Uncle Dave already touched on two. These are their next, like, seven games in a row. Chiefs, Packers, Broncos, Bucks, Panthers, Seahawks, Raiders, Cowboys. Like, that's a murderer's row. So you win this game, okay, it's it's a because I have a feeling, Uncle Dave, and I'm guessing Steve and you probably do too there, Uncle Dave, that, Things are not going to end well for Washington this season. Um, that's seven games in a row of just murder. You could literally lose every one of those games. Um, even with a healthy ball club, um, you could lose all those games. So 
again, this is a this is a game that Washington has to win. They have to come out there and play their best football. And if they don't, um, this season is going to unravel really quick uh, over the next like seven weeks. They're going to need things to happen. And we've seen it before where you know quarterbacks go down and they end up getting lucky playing a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Like they're going to need a situation like that to occur. Uh, to rip off a bunch of wins. Right now they're two and two. Uh, they beat two teams that they probably should have in the Giants and the Falcons, and they probably lost the two teams that they should have uh, in the Chargers and Bills. And if we're just basing, you know, our opinion off of that, you know, teams that they should beat and teams that they shouldn't, uh, it's going to be a rough go here for Washington. So uh, I'll take the points. I think that they should probably should be favored in this game uh, for this particular game. So that's what I'll do. What about you, Steve? How you feeling about Saints and Washington? Well, Washington was getting all the love. I don't know if you remember preseason. Everybody was talking about them winning the NFC East because everybody else wasn't going to be good. Um, and they got part of it right. I guess nobody's really all that good. Maybe Dallas has kind of found their their niche a little bit. But uh, New Orleans is a team, a, a, a tale of two teams. And it's funny. I even wrote that down before I heard, uh, right before we got started, I read an article. And apparently Sean Payton gave his team yo-yos before the game because he didn't want to be a yo-yo team. Uh, after they lost to the Giants, I'm not sure how you could characterize them as anything other than that. They dominated Green Bay and they beat New England. Then they lost to Carolina and the New York Giants for the first win of the season. Um, I really thought that Winston was going to be able to open up the offense. He he had a stronger arm than Drew Brees maybe ever has, but there's just no wide receiver help there. And I I think the dearth of wide receivers is what's holding them back. And I'm curious, once they get healthier, once Michael Thomas comes back, if Sean Payton tries to open up that offense a little bit. Uh, they actually have a negative YPP differential, which is crazy because New Orleans was supposed to be this great team. I mean, they're, they're a team that has been around forever. And now, granted, it was a shift from Breeze to uh, Winston, but you still anticipated them being good. And they're actually below average right now. And I'm not sure if they're not getting Kamara the ball in the passing game this year because it's a game script or the game plan or, or specifically what it is. But that's their biggest weapon. And he's been running the ball very well, but you have to incorporate him into the passing game in some way, shape, or form. Put the the ball in that guy's hands. With that being said, as I mentioned before, Washington hasn't been elite. In fact, they've been awful against the pass, which is going to be interesting to see if Winston can take advantage of that. On the other side of the ball, when Washington has it, New Orleans defense is one of the best against the run, which means we're going to see a lot of Taylor Heineke here, which is Probably not a good thing. It's certainly not a, as a Washington fan, something that you would hope to hear uh, before the game started. It's a lot of Taylor Heineke. It's going to make you drink a lot of Heineken, um, which is a joke that surely has been made before. Uh, Curtis Samuel only saw the field on 34% of his routes as he's working back from injuries. That could be bolstered to their offense. And hopefully you see that number go up for as his health gets better. It's go, it, it's There's no way... Washington is a worse team with Curtis Samuel on the on the field. So I, I do expect them to be better offensively. Uh, a lot of this comes down to the winner of the turnover battle. I mean, New Orleans is as bad as they are, and they're plus five. Washington is minus three. So if Washington can win that turnover battle, I, I think that they, they've got a shot here to win the game for sure. Um, I originally thought the game was correlated. I even wrote down the game is correlated. Uh, but after listening to you guys talk, maybe not so much. I, I thought New Orleans in the under was the play to go or Washington in the over, depending on what side you want. But Washington defense has been so bad that maybe New Orleans could take advantage of it and, and that under wouldn't be good for them at all. Um, I don't have any action on the game. I'm still looking into it. I could by the time kickoff comes, but there's a lot of player props here that I got my eye on. All right, good stuff there, Steve. I think one of the things that Washington probably can do for this game, improve on defense because the Saints offense isn't exactly all that great. 
And I wonder if that kind of motivates them here. And, and they know that they need to step up and have a good game. So I guess, you know, we'll watch that one closely. Uh, probably won't be the, the number one game on our radar. Uh, let's jump over to the next one here. We got the Browns. We got the Chargers. Chargers uh, going to be minus one and a half here. Total 46 and a half. Chargers, nice win the other night there. As they went ahead, they took care of business against the Raiders. They get a 28 to 14 win. This should be a good game. You know, a lot of people like the Browns this season. A lot of people like the Chargers this season. Not going to be an easy game uh, for either of these teams. You know, one of the things that a lot of people were worried about, you know, with the Chargers and Raiders game was the impact that the fans might have on that game. And if you guys watched that game, uh, there were a lot of Raider fans at that game. It didn't help the outcome. At least, uh, you know, the scoreboard didn't say so. So I wonder how it's going to be now. You know, are there a lot of Browns fans uh, in L.A.? Uh, probably not. So I believe that the Chargers home field advantage, if you had it, you know, a ticker low two for the last game, you should probably have it a tick or two higher uh, for this particular game. But Uncle Dave, I'm going to let you rip and run on this one first. How you see in the Browns and Chargers game? Well, I could probably argue either way. You know, I, the Chargers are on short rest. The Browns had a nice win uh, at Minnesota. They won that game with defense. And as expected, as I said last week, if Cleveland can run, they can win. And, you know, that's, was never more evident last week. Mayfield was less than 50% completion. So the question is, can the Browns run against Los Angeles? And, you know, probably they can because heading into that Monday night game, the, the Chargers were a league worst, 5.8 yards per carry allowed. Um, I do think that's a bit of an outlier if, uh, you know, it's like if you watch that that, that, that game against the Raiders, if, if they ran away from Bosa, they did well. If they didn't, they didn't. But um, go figure there. And, they, you know, but the Browns have held their last two opponents to 13 combined points. I know one of those was the Bears, but holding the NFL team out of the end zone just isn't easy. But the Chargers held the Raiders to 58 yards rushing, but they only had 15 carries by running backs. And, you know, part of me questions how much of that was situational since the Raiders are playing from behind. So, yeah, there's the potential letdown for Los Angeles. But, again, this could go back to your young and dumb thing, Sleepy, that, you know, they don't let down and they, they get right back at it. And I think if this were – or Anthony Lynn, I would have already bet the Browns, but it's Brandon Staley who has already changed that culture. And the line opened about a pick, saying Cleveland's a better team on a neutral field. And I'm not sure I agree. I think the early betters took the Chargers. And this might be one case where recency bias is correct. So I do like Los Angeles, and I also do like the under. I like the fact that you brought up the under there, Uncle Dave, because I was thinking the same thing. The Browns pass rush, that's for real. I think after we watch the Chargers and Raiders game, let's give credit where credit's due. I think the Chargers pass rushes for real. Uh, obviously, they have Bosa. But the Raiders pass rushes for real, too. Not bad at all uh, with what they did in that particular game. But I think a lot of the pass rush probably will irritate both of these guys here, Uncle Dave, to the point that maybe we do see a lot of Eckler. Maybe we do see a lot of Chubb and the clock, you know, go ahead and choose away. Now, I don't know if I want to put the ball in, in Mayfield's hands on the road in this particular game to go ahead and try to win here. And Herbert, I think he can do some damage, but I do like the you know Cleveland back end. So I would be with you here, Uncle Dave. I lean to the under in this particular game. Uh, don't like a side, but the only thing I would really probably do with the side that I would have any confidence in is that if I was really searching for a teaser option, I feel like you could probably tease either side in this particular game if you really needed to find somebody to go ahead and uh, tease in this game. But I'd be with you here, Uncle Dave. Lean to the under. 
46 and a half. How about you, Steve? How are you seeing the Browns and Chargers? You guys covered a lot of the stuff that I had for note-wise. I don't even know if it's worth talking here. Um, I had a lean to the under. Uh, both teams were top seven in opponent points per game. Um, would have gone under in five of their combined eight games. Uh, they're going to run the ball frequently. I had I had lean to Cleveland in a teaser sleepy. I mean, you guys are just tearing me apart on this one. This is going to be embarrassing. But um, both teams are three and one against the spread. They're both riding high. I feel like the momentum for both teams are are ascending. Uh, the only thing I'll say is I always felt like Cleveland has been like the darling. And, you know, it's certainly you heard about the, the the sharps were betting them for years, and now they're finally good, and now that the public's getting behind them. And uh, they're exceeding expectations, but they beat Houston, Chicago, and Minnesota. That I'm wondering if the market isn't viewing that as such a great accomplishment. And we talk about it all the time. You can only play who's on your schedule. But the, with the Chargers beating Washington, KC, right? KC, a huge win. And then Las Vegas on Monday night where everybody saw, um, which is why you've seen all the Herbert for MVP chants and the, the, the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. All these predictions are happening now that I'm curious if it's almost inflated the perception of the Chargers that they're just not ready to live up. I mean, they still have a, a, that coach there that, you know, you mentioned, uh, Dave, uh, he's obviously a major improvement off of last year, but is he ready to take the next step? It's hard to argue when he beat KC and Las Vegas, but um, I'd argue it was bad spots for both of those teams in that respect. But Cleveland's going to have to rely in some respect on Mayfield, who's 27th in uh, quarterback on PFF. But the real difference in the game, and really what it's going to come down to for me, is the way to beat the Chargers is on the ground. Their pass funnel defense, right? They don't they don't want any passes being thrown. They want you to run the ball. And that just fits right into what the Browns excel at. I mean, they don't excel. They're incredible at. They they are literally leading the, uh, the league in 177 yards per game on the ground. And the Chargers have a 50 grade against the run and have allowed the fourth most rushing yards in the NFL. So I think the matchup is really bad here for the Chargers, and I think there's a, a, an avenue for the Browns to exploit the Chargers' defense. Um, on the flip side of the ball, you know there was the makeshift offensive line for the Chargers that's actually held up pretty well, but Cleveland is third in, in sack percentage. They're they're sacking ten percent of the time, over ten percent of the time. Uh, but like I, I mentioned, it's a low scoring contest in my eyes. I, I did take Chubb over rushing yards, eighty two and a half that we gave out. Um, I gave out Mayfield under 31 and a half passing attempts because I don't think he's going to be passing the ball much. I think there's going to be a lot of handoffs in this game. Um, I, I also lean to Cleveland and teaser because of that advantage. That is uh, by the, by, by Sunday, there'll be a Cleveland on a, uh, in a teaser on my card for sure. Yeah. I like that Mayfield under attempts there, as you were talking there, Steve, that makes sense. 31 and a half seems a little bit too high. And we've seen before uh, throughout this season, that when you have Cleveland in a situation where they can go ahead and run the ball, that's what they're going to do. And if they could avoid, you know, putting Mayfield in a situation where uh, he's going to go out there and make, you know, potentially make some mistakes, uh, they want to go ahead and they want to avoid that. And I think with Jarvis Landry not being on the field, I think we saw that last week that um, that, doesn't, that doesn't help, you know, the Browns in, in, in any capacity, um, that their offense is, you know, struggling to go ahead and maintain um, drive. So I, I kind of like both of those prop plays that you have there um, as well. Let's talk the last one here, guys. Titans, Jags. Jags going to be plus four and a half. Uh, total 48 and a half. Tennessee, uh, no show last week. Uh, did not show up against the Jets. I, I started to like the Jets, which was insane. Is it insane for me to like the Jaguars here? I don't know. I, I don't I don't believe that, that it is insane. Uh, as Uncle David mentioned about the Jets, um, that team's going to grow. And so is this Jaguars team. And I believe that, 
you know, although Urban Meyer is getting lap dances and stuff like that, that he's going to have his team kind of ready to play this game. And I think this team's ready to go in and win. I would take the four and a half points here. But the key word that I said is I feel like the Jaguars are ready to win. And this could be a game where uh, the Titans season completely unravels and everybody's asking what's going on. I'll take the Jaguars on the money line and I'll play them on the four and a half and feel pretty confident that I'm going to cash one or the other or potentially both of those tickets. So uh, I'll do that. I'll take the Jaguars. I'll go out on the ledge there. I have a feeling Uncle Dave's going to go on the ledge with me here. I could be wrong, but Uncle Dave, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you. Titans, Jags, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, people might want to hop on Jacksonville, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but they do have extra rest, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but, you know, the shorthanded Titans last week, they lost to the – to the Jets, but they really put up some good numbers offensively against a good Jets defense. You know, in Jacksonville, all eyes are on Urban Meyer, not Trevor Lawrence. So I think he's getting the rookie hall pass because of the lack of talent around the man because of the head coach situation. And, you know, I, I don't think that Meyer has that locker room uh, at all. Um, there's been some rumblings that, that he doesn't. Let's just leave it at that. And with that said, I go back to the fact that the Titans defense They've been terrible at times. They're allowing eight yards per pass, and that's 29th in the NFL. And, you know, that could be something that ups Lawrence's game. And the Jags defense has, like, zero redeeming qualities. So this total has come down, uh, and I disagree with it, especially at 48. Um, I think this game goes over. All right, solid stuff there. How about you, Steve? Titans, Jags, what do you got? It's tough for me to give an opinion on the game without knowing what the Tennessee situation is uh, for the injury report. They had 21 players on the injury report, which is, you know, what, a third of the team? Over a third of the team. And, and I don't know if there's a bigger one than A.J. Brown, who actually came back to practice, and, and I, I guess that puts him on track to play on Sunday. But Tennessee, they need the receiving core to help out. It, it opens up underneath for uh, Derrick Henry, who you may say, listen, Derrick Henry doesn't need a lot of help. The guy's been ridden into the ground. We've heard about his demise forever. No one can carry this many times. This year, he's had 30 more carries than anybody else in the NFL. 30 more, which is, I don't understand how a human being can carry that kind of load, but he doesn't look like he's from this earth. So maybe he's not a human being. He is a monster. Um, Tennessee had an awful loss last week to the Jets, which was inexcusable. They should have won the game. If you watched it, you know, the Jets got lucky and, and kudos to them for winning the game. Uh, but ultimately, Tennessee had him, let him off the hook, that proverbial speech there. Uh, but they're going to be more focused this week in in practice. You know, you could say that had they beat the Jets and beat them soundly, that they could take Jacksonville lightly. I don't think they're going to. I, I don't think they can afford it. I don't think Mike Vrabel will allow them to look past this team. I don't care who they're playing next week. Um, you know, Jacksonville is 0-4 record. They're looking for that first win. You know, that's a dangerous proposition. You, you, you know, you kind of... I don't know, you, you, you just assume that a team that's defeated completely, that's never won a game, is going to be awful and that the public would bet against them. I'm not so sure that's the case here. I mean, uh, I feel like the market's a little bit down on Tennessee. To only have a four-point spread um, seems pretty light. And I don't know if that's because of the injury concerns with Tennessee or what it is. Uh, but both teams are, are terrible in turnovers. Uh, they're both minus five and minus eight, respectively. Um Lawrence did show signs of life last game, and, and the D is ahead of the offense, but I'm not sure that's much of a compliment to the Jaguars' defense. 
Uh, Jacksonville is decent against the run, uh, but they're terrible against the pass. So this is where the, where I'm waiting to see what's going on with the injury situation. If AJ Brown plays, if Julio plays, you know, if they get some of those receivers back to stretch the field, if Tannehill would be able to take advantage of that horrendous Jacksonville uh, secondary, um, I think that they could win and, and cover the game. So ultimately, I'm not going against you here, Sleepy. I'm not pushing back and saying I'm on the other side of it completely. But come game time, if that minus four is on the board and A.J. Brown is playing, I probably will be. I just wonder about his health. That, that's, it's, you know, could, because the Tennessee is going to be in a position, Steve, where they have to go out and win this particular game. And, and you hate to see, you know, guys, especially wide receivers who have to go out there and hamstring injuries. They'll go out there and have to run, you know, the, these routes. And you you made a good point with Jacksonville with their rush defense. You know, they haven't allowed over 100 yards, I think, in like three straight games. And, you know, if they can go ahead and hold down Tennessee and let's just say A.J. Brown's not out there and Julio Jones is not out there, uh, I don't know what Tannehill's going to do. I mean, you, can, you can't just throw the ball to, you know, your backup running back, Jeremy Nichols, uh, to, to replace those guys. It's just not going to work. And, and look, the, the Jags are probably going to be super ultra motivated to get their first win. Like when they're looking at their schedule and, and the and teams are coming in to play them, um, they're probably, you know, got a couple games circled of their, you know, potential first win of, of the season. This win could right a lot of the wrongs that we've seen with Lawrence, with the coach, uh, you know, just with the with the team in general. So I would look for them to probably stack the box against Henry. And if, if Brown's not out there. Um, I don't think there's any way that I could find myself, you know, playing the Titans. I think a lot of this has to do with the record, but uh, Tennessee, I mean, what have they shown us so far this year um, that they could go out there and blow a team out, you know, on the road? I I just, I don't believe there's really, you know, any reason. A.J. Brown might give me a little bit of pause there, Steve, but even with his health in question right now, I just feel like this is, uh, you know, this is an all-in effort for the Jaguars. And look, if they lose this game, I don't know what you guys think, but Uncle Dave, if they lose – do you think that maybe Urban Meyer might be another another loss or two away from, you know, potentially just getting fired and being let go after what happened last week? Like, he kind of has to win this game, doesn't he? Yeah, I think you're right, Sleepy. It's, um, you know, it's it's. I think that this whole lap dance stuff and whatnot is really just the tip of the iceberg that could sink the Titanic because, you know, there was, as I mentioned, a lot of talk um, in Jacksonville from unnamed players that, you know, he had a, he had a team meeting, I think yesterday or today, and, and he was trying to get everybody together. And, you know, there was a lot of talk that, you know, he didn't have the team to begin with. So I, I'm just not sure he has the respect um, for any number of reasons, you know, whether it was bringing in his Tebow or, or his off the field things, or, you know, Lawrence has been playing like crap. Um, you know, I'm not sure he's got a fair shake, but I'm not sure he hasn't. And, you know, my only the only thing that would make me say no um, is they let Doug Marone stay there for a few years longer than he probably should have. So, you know, I guess that's all up to Khan. But I'm, I'm thinking he probably probably doesn't fire in midseason. But if this shit keeps happening, he probably should. As I'm sitting here thinking, Uncle Dave, and, and you brought up a – a point that we should probably touch on a little bit is, you know, has Urban lost the team or has he ever gained their respect? Well, he comes in from college, a guy that's always won. And I'm sure that there's probably a lot of guys on, on that particular team um, that he beat in college. 
And he probably just hasn't had the time to go ahead and sit down with the team and have like that normal guy kind of conversation. And I think that any normal guy uh, in the situation that he was in uh, was probably going to react very similar, but some of us probably even worse. So I guess there's probably a time for him to to sit down and have that normal guy conversation where uh, maybe some of the guys feel bad for him. And some of the guys, you know, have have been in that situation, too, to where they kind of get the breakthrough and be like, you know what? Um, He's going through some crap right now. He's getting his rear end handed to him for this. And, uh, you know, if we were in that situation, too, um, you know, who knows? I think it's just a conversation to, to get a lot of normality out. And that might actually help them. That might actually bring the team together um, in a sense. So, all right. So with all that said, you guys got our picks there. Uh, a lot of good information. We got some props. No derivatives from Uncle Dave this week, I don't believe. Uncle Dave, you didn't give any derivatives out, did you? I did not. There's only so many hours in a day, and I'll, I'll leave that for uh, my fine friend Sleepy and Steve. All right. So no derivatives from Uncle Dave this week. But you guys know where to go and get all Uncle Dave's stuff. You guys can get that at pregame.com. You can get Uncle Dave on Twitter at Dave underscore S, or you guys can find Steve on Twitter at Avoid the Vegan. You guys can always get me uh, on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com at Twitter, sleepyj underscore pregame. You guys can find us at bettingpredators.com as well. Hopefully, you guys have a good NFL week five. We'll talk to you next week.